Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Greg Micah, senior manager and compliance team lead in Verizon's EHS group, about Verizon's focus on workplace safety. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Greg Micah, senior manager and compliance team lead in Verizon's EHS group. Uh, welcome, Greg. How's it going? It's going very well. Thanks, Jay. How are you? I'm good. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, Verizon's focus on workplace safety. But uh, first off, I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do with Verizon. Sure. Well, I guess first off, I live in uh, central New York with my, my wife and two daughters. And, you know, outside of work, I enjoy all kinds of outdoor sports and messing around in my garage with uh, welding projects and making furniture and things like that. And I, I guess I like tinkering with just about anything with a motor. Um, but I joined, uh, I joined Verizon about 22 years ago, and I started as an environmental specialist providing compliance support in upstate New York and the northern states of New England. Um, it was a great experience and a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'll tell you, um, Verizon is loaded with some extremely talented people, and uh, some of the smartest people I've ever had the chance to, to uh, cross paths with. Um, I mean, geez, these guys, and especially on our network side, it's just unbelievable what they can do with uh, managing our network and um, building these pro these uh, programs and um, just all that we do in the telecommunications and the and the uh, just communications in general. It's just uh, it's just great. Um, but it's been fun getting to know all these people and working with them throughout the different parts of the business. And um, you know, through environmental compliance, um, I got to know part of the operations of the group and how the company operates, um, which was great, but it was kind of, a, kind of a stepping stone, I guess, to what came next because I, I, an opportunity came up in our compliance, corporate compliance team. Um, and it, I guess it was called governance at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, it, was, it was an auditing function. Uh, so it was kind of an interesting thing. I, you know, I felt like I was comfortable with the company, comfortable, comfortable with our compliance activities. So it sounded like a nice, um, kind of a nice way to meld the two together. And what was great about that was that at the time, we were three separate environmental and health and safety groups. Um, two of them were based on business unit and one was the overarching, kind of the, the, the uh, co corporate level, that governance team that I mentioned. And so it was kind of cool that I was able to kind of expand what I was doing. I knew the one side of the business pretty well, but I got the opportunity through this audit group to um, learn more about the business and see how we do things uh, throughout the other parts of the company, but also globally, which was really great. And what was nice is it was, a, you know, an autonomous group. So I was kind of able to kind of dig, dig around and learn about all of the things that we did wherever we did it. And it was great exposure to our company and our global operations. Um, about three years ago, I guess, we came together as one team, uh, one EHS team, all the different, uh, the three different EHS teams came together into one. Uh, under uh, our executive director, Pam Cox. And as part of that, she reorganized us. I mean, it was, uh, we were all kind of three different groups doing three different things similarly, but not exactly the same. And it kind of, that presented some more opportunities for me and I was able to get more involved with the different programs and the EHS compliance ways that we did things um, to kind of align them across the company. And, um, you know, and after a while, uh, doing a little bit of that, I was then promoted up to the team lead for the compliance group, which is interesting for me. I, I um, 
<laughs> it's a great team. And I kind of refer to ourselves as the team of misfit EHS professionals <laughs> uh, because it's it's kind of a staff function. We, we we're there to support kind of everything and everyone. Um, it makes it really fun and interesting. Um, but what a group. I mean, we, we get involved in uh, everything from um, all the communications that we put out, our website management for the EHS team and internal communications. Um, we work with our marketing teams and with uh, our ESG and sustainability groups on information and industry benchmarking initiatives like Equivatus and things like that. And, um, and we also have that dedicated team of EHS people who work on communications and are continually working on our EHS culture and trying to drive it and make that part of every person in Verizon, trying to make it part of Verizon's DNA. Um, and then on top of that, we manage uh, environmental due diligence and remediation, and we monitor regulations. So it's a quite a diverse group. Our hands are involved in just about anything. That's great. Um, well, you know, we just recently uh, announced the uh, EHS Daily Advisor Safety Standout Awards, and uh, and Verizon won for best overall safety program. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, wanted to ask you, you know, what is Verizon's safety philosophy? Great. Yeah, thank you. And and, thank, and again, uh, we're very humbled by the award. Um, I can only imagine the, the group of companies that were, were had, had applied for that and uh, the competition that was there. Um, you know, we're just, like I say, kind of humbled to be part of that. But, um, you know, Verizon's philo safety philosophy is really simple. We really believe that the safety of all V-teamers is our number one priority. Um, it's kind of a long-standing philosophy that goes back to our safety creed, which is about 80 years old, and we believe it's still relevant today. And that reads that uh, no job is so important and no service is so urgent that we cannot take time to perform our work safely. So it's really just, our, our, that philosophy is just making safety priority number one and putting it above anything else. Um, it really is where it needs to be, top of mind, top of the project. Um, but just the priority. We want everybody to go home safe. And we believe that all of our teammates should go home safe. It's, it's not just the people in the field. So kind of regardless of what type of work you do, um, we, we just reinforce that safety does not stop when the workday ends. And we share resources and training all the time. And, uh, you know, whether it's like avoiding slips, trips, and falls in the office, how to drive safely, or whether it's working at heights or up on ladders, and we encourage everybody to take what you learn here and apply it everywhere. Um, we don't want our safety culture to end when the when you punch out at the end of the day. We just encourage everybody to make safety their own responsibility and to embrace the culture and use what they learn, whether they're at work, at home, or on the road. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about Verizon's risk management standard and what goes into that. Sure. Well, risk management is fundamental to, to any effective EHS program. I mean, it's uh, it's it's just imperative to to the performance of the group and how we operate. Um, and we believe that it's just it's how we proactively identify our risks and control them before they result in an incident or noncompliance. Um, the way it works for us is that all levels of the organization are involved with risk management, whether it's our highest levels of leadership. Uh, supporting safety initiatives or kind of waving the flag right down to the employees who face our highest hazards every day. Um, and the, the management standard 
it establishes a process for that, kind of a consistent consistent process, which is really the goal here. But it it's consistently uh, applies um, a risk assessment tool that's used to identify the environmental aspects and health and safety hazards associated with our work, uh, the products and services we provide. And we conduct this assessment to determine which aspects and hazards have or can have significant impacts on the environment, uh, our business or our stakeholders. And we believe our stakeholders are everybody from our employees, our contractors and suppliers to our customers and the communities where we operate. And we use this risk assessment standard. We apply that to address our uh, communicating risk assessment results to affected personnel so we can use them and, and learn from them. But also, most importantly, we act to manage those aspects and hazards, uh, including the risks and the opportunities associated with them. Our, our corporate risk assessments are critical inputs into our leadership meetings, where we use them to prioritize our EHS objectives and organize our work. And we use those uh, assessments to identify and rank the hazards associated with all of our operations. And we score the hazards using uh, an account, taking into account the level of controls that we have in place to manage or eliminate them. So we're using the inherent risks and applying, you know, looking at them, and then also reviewing and assessing the, the, um, the competency of the controls that we have in place uh, to determine where our residual risks are. And, and then we can address those higher residual the residual risk with the highest rating scores uh, through our assessment tool. Uh, how often do you do uh, those risk assessments? We conduct them at least annually, unless there's a major change that might impact the EHS risk profile for any one of those aspects or hazards. And, ba and basically it's just, you know, kind of looking for new things that pop up and, and obviously evaluating how things are working, you know, and I guess normally, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, there, there's always things out there. And of course, you know, with a crystal ball, we would always know what's coming or, or what we need to focus on at any given time. But this gives us a way to really create a prioritization, um, whether it's from, like you said, something new or emerging, or uh, maybe it's something that was a lower risk and now it's moved up for some reason. Um, Maybe we've been successful at some of the things and we've we've created some other controls and now it's allowing us to move up what I'll say, maybe the uh, you know the, the lower risk activities and maybe they still remain as a lower residual risk, but now we have a little bit more maybe time, resources, or or ability to focus some energy towards those lower items. Because I imagine, you know, you mentioned some of them already, uh, you know, slips, trips and falls, you know. You've got you've got a lot of workers that work at you know uh, high elevations you know on on poles and things like that. So that, I imagine yep. there are things that pop up you know uh, every year, but then there must be some other ones that uh, that kind of emerge. You know, I, I imagine uh, the last couple of years with COVID, you know, there's probably some, some <laughs> new hazards that you yeah. haven't considered before, right? Holy cow! Yeah, COVID was a big deal for us. Um, I'll tell you, Verizon really. I, I want to say. Uh, embraced it um i think our, our we won some human resource awards actually for communication and how we handled that for our employees but you're absolutely right i mean here was something that came out of nowhere um and just kind of took the world by storm in a way but we had to step back and it was kind of nice that we had a process in place that we could implement and you know you assembled the, the people whether it was human resources to our global real estate operations to 
even our uh, call centers where we had a lot of people who would congregate just for normal work, which right. might be considered low risk. And then we had to step back and say, hey, you know, wait a second, we do have a new risk here that we need to address. And what, what does that mean to us? Um, I mean, it ultimately ended up that we, we moved a lot of people home and we retooled and retrained them to work from a home environment to do what they did normally in an office. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely, things come in out of nowhere. How much of an adjustment was that to sort of get people trained to working, you know, to work at home as opposed to in like a, a call center or, a, or an office? Yeah, it is quite a bit of work. Um, you know, first you have to figure out the tools, I guess, and then get them to the people, um, set up the processes. Um, like I say, Verizon was great. I, I even Even for myself, again, somebody who low risk office environment most of the time. Um, they considered our ergonomic assessment. Uh, they, they provided us with some, some not only training and resources on how to set up your home office environment, but also provided me with an extra monitor so I wasn't crouched over a laptop, um, uh, a, a sit-stand desk that I could use so I could elevate and, and be at the right working height or stand part of the day. Um, so that was part of it. The other part was just kind of retooling some of the network to be able to allow people who normally, again, normally working from home, but on the customer service side, uh, might be dealing with sensitive information, whether it's, you know, credit cards of customers or who knows what else, um, to be able to do that work and do it in a secure manner in the home. And then also taking into consideration the homework environment where you have possibly children who are also home. Um, dogs in the background, things like that, and it was a, it was a big adjustment at first. But I, I, you know, I'd say the company as a whole just embraced it. Um, the other parts of the network that had to retool a little bit were how to uh, how to um, re re. I, I'm trying to think of the right word. Kind of reformat and reformulate how calls were routed to call centers. Maybe used to go to a centralized call center. Now it was going to through that call center, but then to person people at their home. Right, right. Um, making sure those connections worked and everything else. Um, and then we also had people who, uh, like our retail environment, one um, of a lot of our stores closed. We, we didn't want to just say too bad people, you, you know, there's no work for you. Uh, you know, the company, again, really embraced this. Uh, uh, we wanted to find a place for everybody and help everybody be part of the solution. And we ended up training some of those retail people who, Again, we're used to a store, kind of a customer face-to-face -face interface doing marketing and sales. We retooled them and gave them tools and sent them different types of equipment to their homes so they could become telemarketers or uh, telephone sales personnel. You know, it's really, um, I say, I, I don't know, it's, I, it's proud to be part of a company that really looked out for its employees that way. And then you still got, you know, a lot of workers who were, you know, had to be out in the field. Um, oh yeah, you know the whole time. So I mean, yep. that must have been kind of you know Ooh. balancing sort of that you know that side of it with the remote side. Absolutely, yeah, because we we had people who had to interface with customers, so that created some other challenges. So making sure that they had the right PPE in the field, um, creating tools and systems to work with customers so that everybody was comfortable with the interaction. Uh, we had things. Uh, it was like a. Uh, a product in a box and I'm trying to think I, I caught you caught me off guard with a question a little bit there was a, a tool for it or a, a name for it but it was essentially an installation in a box mm -hmm. where our field technicians would come to somebody's home who, you know they need to keep the service going and the customer has to be there and they have to be connected of course now 
a lot of people who didn't normally work from home, they're home. Mm -hmm. So they're asking for upgraded internet connectivity or phone connectivity from us. So we had to help take care of that uh, in addition to ourselves. So creating this installation in a box was essentially like, you know, go to the customer's home, knock on the door and, and leave the box sitting on the uh, on the uh, step. The customer would bring it in and then they would we would use like a, uh, a laptop or excuse me, a tablet and an interface and kind of like a FaceTime on your phone and walk the customer through the installation. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot to do with that. Um, the other thing that we had with, uh, you know, working different shifts, we had different people in different vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a process we had to get with our fleet department and again, our real estate and other people to get together so that we could make sure those vehicles were clean between shifts and when they were needed to be. And the other thing we did was, again, kind of cool, where we did we wanted to limit the field people from congregating as well. So we set up different areas where they could pick up their tools and equipment and that they needed for the day. And we allowed them to take the company vehicles home and they were home garaged. Um, so that was kind of a big deal and, and a different shift in how we did work. So that they they had the vehicle at home, they everything was there, they'd stop in and then they, they weren't congregating. They, we didn't have 10 people at once in the garage and in the shop having meetings. Um, the other thing that, that we did is our operations team, they embraced that also. And they, they started creating, uh, they enhanced, I should say, the, the, how they were creating their tailgate meetings for their safety talks, um, where they would normally do that kind of in, in a crew room and get everybody together. They actually started creating a tailgate, which not only had business and you know operational type information, like maybe, hey, here's a new set-top box and here's how to program it. But they, they reached out to us and we created, we created a weekly safety moment um, that became part of the tailgate. So somebody on my team creates those each week. And what's fun is you know, we create the safety moment, gives tips and tricks and things to be safe on this topic. But then we also reached out to somebody uh, each week. We reach out to somebody on our field facing team to create, I, I joke about it, I call it our cartoon people, but um, we created an avatar and create a video about it. So that person is is becoming more recognized to a broader group um, around the company as the EHS team. So it's it's really pretty cool. Nice. Um, tell me a little bit about the uh, life saving principles that um, Verizon developed and how those uh, what they emphasize. Sure. Yeah, life saving principles was kind of a neat idea. Um, you know, one of our managers uh, started. A few years ago, really getting into the you know hop, the human organizational performance, and and um, trying to learn about how people think and how people work, and you know we we really decided that uh, we wanted to create our life saving principles to prevent pro, excuse me, to protect lives and prevent serious injuries and incidences, and um, and also prevent fatalities, of course. Um, and what they are, they're, they're, they're kind of guiding principles. They're, they're not there to address compliance, but instead they ask people to consider all the options to manage risks, including eliminating the hazards altogether. And we chose uh, eight topics that, we, that are kind of our higher risk impacts in, our, in Verizon, um, and we focused on those. And they're really not just, uh, not just an internal campaign either. We've we've included them on our company policy section of our externally facing website. We also push them out to all of our stakeholders as well of our as our suppliers, asking them to embrace them. 
and they focus on our highest risk. Like I say, you know, um, establishing work zone protection when working in the field and along roadsides, maintaining minimum approach distances from electricity, protecting against falls, knowing procedures when entering manholes and other confined spaces, safeguarding against electricity, um, staying clear of suspended loads, and practicing safe driving habits. And, and then the one that kind of ties it all together is we just say identify and control work area hazards and use appropriate PPE. That's kind of our last resort, mm -hmm. but that's been something that's part of our program, you know, it's been part of our safety program forever. Again, kind of a, a job hazard analysis. You know, you roll up to the site, you look around like, what's here? What do I have to consider before I even get out of the vehicle? You know, what's the traffic like? What, what are the road speeds? Where do I have to work? Is it slippery? Did it rain? Um, is it snowing? Uh, do I work at heights? Is, are there dogs or insects nearby? It's um, It really kind of pulls everything together. And the other cool part about the life-saving principles is we tacked, that, uh, tacked onto that as kind of a stop work authority. And we call it see something, say something. And we use that to empower and educate and empower our employees that if they see it, an unsafe act or condition, we expect them to say something and take time to correct it to prevent an incident. And it just doesn't apply to themselves. We want them to look out for each other, uh, for their coworkers, uh, looking out for the public, um, and really anybody who they may interact with at the job site. And again, we try to, try to as part of our culture, hey, take these things home. Don't just stop here, think about it. You know, work through the process, whether you're climbing the ladder at your house to put up your Christmas lights or, um, doing some home work projects, home, home DIY or D, DIY projects. Uh, so we really want everybody to have that opportunity to, to just step back and say, hey, this is important. There's some hazards here. And what can I do to help prevent an incident? Um, and looking ahead, what are some future goals uh, for Verizon's EHS program? You know, um, this I, get, I look at this like kind of where the fun begins. Uh, a few years ago, when we all came together, you know, I mentioned uh, Pam Cox, our executive director. You know, she just she combined these three groups and kind of and brought everybody together and and really helped make us feel as one unit. But asked all of her leadership team, uh, "What do you want out of this? Like, here we are, we're this new group. We've got the, you know, we we certainly have our compliance requirements that we have to fulfill. But what do you guys want to do? What does this team want to do um, with this EHS program at Verizon?" And it was kind of unanimous. Uh, we decided right then and there that we wanted to create a world-class EHS department that other companies would want to benchmark against. And we started working towards that. And I think we're getting, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we're really close to accomplishing that goal. You know, we work in an industry that, um, you know, high hazard industry. We believe that that continual improvement is how we manage our aspects and our safety hazards. And, you know, we, we believe in being strategic, um, trying to, you know, through our risk assessments and through our, our EHS leadership management meetings and everything else, we try to try to focus on what's important um, and trying to reach that goal as well, you know, through government governance, performance, our culture and risk reduction. And we still aim for that, um, you know, trying to be that world-class EHS department. And we believe to get there that we've got a world-class governance and, and sustained compliance programs We've got uh, EHS and Verizon leadership continuing to drive our um, our EHS initiatives, and we're we're continuing to drive our uh, EHS accountability to the individuals, and we want them to act as EHS leaders themselves. It's it's not just for 
management to handle it, but it's for everybody, um, all employees. And I think, you know, you mentioned this award, and I think it kind of takes us one step that that we're doing some of the right things and we're being recognized for our efforts, which is really great. And it's uh, for me, it gives me a lot of pride. Um, a lot of work has gone into what we've done. And in a few short years, we, we've combined as a team. We've uh, we've we've actually become ISO certified for environmental and health and safety management systems, which is great. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of a lot of effort that goes into this, and we're starting to see some of those rewards. And you know, we just want to continually change and and uh, continually improve our programs so we can drive out those risks and hazards and just management manage them the best that we can, and hopefully down to zero. Well, Greg, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great. I appreciate it, Jay. All right. That wraps up episode 115 of EHS on Tap. Find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.